I'm Jane Howard and you're listening to Guardian Australia's Sydney Festival podcast. We're back here at Carriage Works again this morning. Yesterday, Vicky was telling you about Chance. Today, we're looking at the beautiful farmers markets that are here, Everly Markets. Quarter to 12, everything's starting to pack up now. There's still a lot of stragglers. It's a beautiful flower market. I wish I wasn't going home so I could buy some. There's honey, kale. I think that's kale. (laughs) Homemade pasta. There's lots of people eating different pastries, drinking coffee. It's a lovely sort of community atmosphere here. This isn't part of the festival. This is clearly what people do on a Saturday, get their food come and meet friends, quite a few dogs around and lots of children. Some beautiful strawberries and tomatoes and I'm going to taste some goat's cheese. Willowbury cheddar cheese. And that's really lovely actually. And there's another goat's cheese place just across the way and I wonder if they've got some sort of a friendly or not so friendly rivalry going on. It's a really lovely atmosphere here on a Saturday morning. There's everyone in the market, everyone inside carriage works to go see shows. It's a nice place to be. I think it's about time that I go back into carriage works and see a show. I'll be back to talk about it with Vicky in a moment. Thank you to Jane for a lovely walk through Evely Market there. I'm Vicky Frost. Today we're bringing you the podcast from Carriage Works in Redfern. It's a beautiful day, so we've stepped outside this old industrial building. It's actually it's still quite industrial down here. It's not too prettied up. Uh, the sky is this astonishing blue today, and against it we have the roofs with their red brick points. It's quite beautiful. Uh, you might hear some trains go past uh, while we're recording. We're just by the railway line, and uh, people are sitting outside having some drinks outside the bar, which is a lovely way to spend a sunny afternoon. We'll be chatting about theatre and music in a moment, but we also locked Miles Martignoni in a dark box with a folk musician, and we're going to chat with theatre director Gavin Quinn on the challenges of bringing works to new audiences in different countries. I'm joined by Van Badham. Hello. Hello, Vicky. Good to be here. And by Jane Howard. Hi, Jane. Hi, Vicky. So you've both been to see a few shows. I, I think, Van, actually, you've been to one less than you'd like. After STC's doomed production of Travelling North had its second opening night cancelled last night. Uh, but what did you go and see this afternoon? Well, I had one of the most transformative artistic experiences of my life, seeing Goodyear Goodyear, which is the, the dance show at Carriage Works. Um, and if I'm a bit emotional and not my usually articulate self, it's because I actually had a cry. I found it such a profoundly moving work and I've just never had that reaction to dance before. So we're all at the presence of, of, of something really unusual. I had a similar experience actually with Netherlands Dance Theatre uh, about four or five months ago and maybe there's a thing with dance that moves you in a way that other art forms don't. I found it intensely moving. It's a really extraordinary work. It's a collaboration with uh, Delisa Pigram who is the performer as well as the the conceiver and she's the work is about her experience as a black woman from Broome who has a complicated heritage being from Broome which is one of the most multicultural cities in Australia which has a very large Asian population a Malaysian population came out to work as pearl fishers in Broome, Broome is the centre of the Australian pearl industry and the show begins with tech 
text t- taken from a you know government inspector in 1928 talking about what to do about the quadroons that is you know the offspring of the asian population the aboriginal population and the 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 show pulls no punches and for a dance work to be so explicitly political is extraordinary because what delise is doing is she's putting her heritage uh, in the context of australian culture wars and about accusations that you know multiculturalism is you know negative or or uh, disunifying or multiculturalism is some you know this is this popular conservative refrain that it's some kind of attack on the bedrock values of western civilization and this incredible show is a demonstration of multiculturalism as strength where you have this individual woman a black woman a dancer who is taking her choreography from a malaysian fight tradition she's using fight moves she's using traditional aboriginal dance she's using contemporary dance as well it's task based choreography coming from her um her belgian uh, assistant choreographer and it's a it's a statement about survival and it's a statement about how it's drawing on all of these different sources of cultural knowledge that has enabled Australian Aboriginal people to survive one of the bleakest, most totalising genocides in world history. And it is extraordinary. And I think there's something to be said for watching that in Redfern as well, which is where Carriage Works is situated and we are today. Do you think that made a difference? Um, I mean, the the work is so intensely uh, political that, that, I mean, it does. I really desperately hope this show tours. I think it should be mandatory viewing for every Australian, certainly. But um, I think you could stage it anywhere and get the point quite explicitly. She uses text. She speaks. She gives one of the most extraordinary political speeches I've heard in Australia in years, and it's a dancer, a female dancer, who's doing that from the floor where she's speaking into a microphone and she's so passionate, so political, so explicit, so articulate and is rolling on the ground while she's giving this incredible speech. And for me, I mean, it is that that impact of a bomb, which is to see a black woman, you know, articulating a very, you know, pointed and fair and emotional and intellectual criticism of the cultural politics of Australia and about colonialism, about post-colonialism, and and the she makes a passionate play for the decolonisation of the black Australian mind and talks about you know the the aftermath of the genocide and what does it mean to finally get your land and then sell it to a mining company? What does it mean for whitefellas to stop poisoning water supplies but for a mine to um, take away your water rights by coal seam gas fracking I mean it's it's intense stuff and seeing it in Redfern which is you know the the cultural sort of the cultural epicenter of the Australian imagination around urban Aboriginality is very powerful but you know she's a woman who is from Broome she's a woman with a different cultural heritage I mean the Australian um, Aboriginal community is many nations and with her Malaysian heritage as well and her, she talks about her Irish heritage and there's this extraordinary monologue where she essentially just swears like she relentlessly swears this sort of fury um, this long monologue um, and the words appear on the screen the use of text is incredibly sophisticated the aesthetics are so precise it i'm i'm really quite shaken i i just i haven't had an experience like that with dance i keep getting back to that going this has really shaken me as as a white australian and also a member of a, of a community that's undergoing at the moment profound cultural challenge and change it was incredible Good Day, Good Day, which is performed by Delisa Pegram, is at Carriageworks until January 19. I think it's always amazing when you find something at a festival that really speaks to you. 
And that happened to me last night, actually. I went to see his music, Burns, which is a Sydney chamber opera uh, here at Carriage Works. And it's a two-part set. It's a double bill, effectively. And um, the first part, I didn't really get on with, if I'm honest. Um, it's uh, a Samuel Beckett poem that's set to music by Georgi Kurtag. I'm probably saying that incorrectly. Apologies to Hungarians. Um, and his music is, um, his songs are very short and they involve an awful lot of percussion and not a great deal of singing. And I've got to be honest, it wasn't really for me. But the second half of the programme I really loved. So this is a short opera called Into the Little Hill by uh, the British composer George Benjamin. And it has a fantastic libretto by Martin Crimp that I just adored. And it's a retelling of the Pied Piper of Hamelin. It's quite dark. I mean, it, actually, it's very dark. And it has these amazing, amazing harmonies. They're very beautiful. It's sung by a soprano and a mezzo-soprano, who are both great performances, uh, great performers, um, and directed by Sarah Giles. It's very simple. It's gorgeous, proper storytelling. I was completely captivated by it. Um, Sydney Chamber, oh, sorry. Sydney Chamber Opera are a great force in the city. I think they're a brilliant thing to have in the city. And this is a really great opera. If you can get to see it, it uh, finishes on the 19th of January. I would recommend it. Unfortunately, I didn't have the same experience that you two had. I just came from Forklift. And I think there's a really interesting 15-minute show, but it runs for an hour. So uh, we heard from the director of Forklift, uh, Kate, yesterday. Uh, so essentially, the show is performers interacting with a forklift truck, isn't it? So yes, it's a dance piece, and when the dancers are interacting with the forklift, it is a really interesting work. It's an interesting playing space. They've got about a metre cube inside the cabin of the forklift, about a metre square on top, and then the two prongs sticking out the front, and they play with heights. And the forklift itself is actually quite an incredible machine. It's very smooth in the way it sort of spins around the stage, and your brain starts to see, stops seeing the movement of the forklift and just catches onto the woman, women and watches they move around. Unfortunately, there's a lot of padding around the actual work with the forklift. There's uh, strands of narrative and bits when they're not working with the forklift and it, there's a scene at the end where there's a hoop scene and it's quite incredible by itself but it doesn't make sense in the context of the show. And what about the juxtaposition of the, the very female performers? Because they are all female performers, a uh, female choreographer with such a, you know, tangible symbol of industrial masculinity as a forklift. Like, did that work for you? Or? The beginning scenes where two of the women are essentially treated as objects is very disquieting. So one of the women is driving the forklift and the two others are being picked up and placed on shelves. And... and that was the strongest idea in the show for me. These, like, that idea of this, yeah, this masculine machine and in carriage works. It's an incredible setting for it in carriage works. Yeah, it surprises me because they're, I mean, they're extraordinary performers. Um, Amy, who's one of the performers, is really well known as a dancer, physical theatre circus performer in, in Melbourne. And I interviewed Henna, who's the Finnish import, who's a circus performer the other night. So I'm surprised to, to hear that it didn't grab you. Well, there are, they are great performers. And when, like I say, when they're performing, it's great, but... Yes, I, I'm still, I literally just walked out of the theatre. I'm still formulating my thoughts about it. But there were a lot of moments where they weren't performing and it felt like they really struggled to make the show an hour 
for a festival called About an Hour. And I wonder if it had been maybe a trilogy of three 20 minute pieces, because I do think there are really interesting ideas in there. When they work with the forklift, it's really interesting. The performers do have quite incredible bodies and they do some really amazing work, both individually just as performers, but also interacting with this machine. It just gets lost in a show that hasn't found its coherency. Hi, my name is Nathan and I've come from Aubrey to see Amanda Palmer. Listening to the Guardian Sydney Festival podcast. You might think it's too beautiful a day to be sitting inside a dark theatre, but actually our audio producer Miles Martignoni had it worse. We sent him off to sit in a small dark box, but luckily it had some entertainment. Have a listen to what folk in a box at the Festival Village sounds like. Hi, I'm Dom Coyote. I'm Emily Barker. And we are the creators of and hosts of and performers in Folk, Folk in a Box. Box. It started at a festival over in the UK. We were both performing, we're both singer-songwriters, and we were performing on the bill anyway. And there was this little abandoned space at the festival and we just started these random sort of performances in there and, and letting people know who were passing by that uh, we were doing these performances and and then Dom and I developed that idea from from there basically. So what did you think when you got the call from Sydney Festival to come and bring your box down here? We were very excited about it we tried to work out how the hell we were going to do it because our box in England's really heavy and it's miles and miles away so um, we decided to make a box specially for Sydney which is what we've done and it's given us the opportunity to do something a bit different so uh, we've got... Hang on, we just need to open the door and let the people out. What did you think of Folk in the Box? What did you, oh, did you like it? <laughs> wow, it's speechless. It's good, it's good, it's good. It's good, it's good, it's good. So um, the thing that's different about this box is that we have uh, clothes pegs stuck to it all over it and people then write notes when they come out of the box and they, they peg it to the box. So it's absolutely covered in hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of great comments which adds to the fact that it's a bit of a therapy session for musicians. I can so read one now. It says, uh, I liked the music, it made me calm, calm down. And I am five from Pia. Uh, what is another one? What a lovely idea to have such a talented artist perform a song, especially for you, is something that everyone should experience. Thank you, Luke. And that's Luke Watson. He's a local singer-songwriter. Um, yeah, that's two of them. There's so the loveliest more. thing happens for the musicians in there, they get to play a song where they know their audience is really attentive and listening. And when they come out, they can see loads of compliments about themselves. <laughs> Hello, are you? I'm from The Guardian, sorry. Oh, hello, yes, I read your paper. Oh, thank you. Um, we are here doing stuff for Sydney Festival. Are you going to the box by yourself? Yes, yes, I am. Would you mind if I joined you in the box? Oh, no, that'd be fine. And what was your name? Diana. And what, do you, what, what made you stand in this line to get into this box? Well, I was intrigued by all the, um, the notes and uh, interesting that people have written personal uh, experiences of being in the box. So I thought, well, I've got... A little bit of time here, so I'll just 
go in and experience it myself. Create your own experience. Yes, that's right. All right, Diana, are you ready? There's one seat and you can either sit or stand. Oh, I think I'll be standing. You stand? Okay. Hello. Hello, young man. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Maxine. Hi, Maxine. I can't see you, Maxine, anymore. <laughs> it's very dark in here. Keep it up like this, you say. We got nothing going. Gone to work, we're wolves with our waking hearts. Why go forward? Why go forward when you can go back? Why go forward? Why go forward when you can go back? Thank you. Thank you very much. You're most welcome. How long have you been in this box today? How long have I been in the box? Only, they told me it's only 40 minutes, but I think it might have been a lot longer. Send help. <laughs> Mind your head. Uh, on the way out. Okay, thank you. There we go. Yep. Mind your head. Thank you. Um, so what did you think of being in the box? Oh, I thought it was a really, really good, ex nice experience, you know, because she has a lovely voice. And the, um, you know, it was just very, quite intimate, actually. Yeah. What did you think? Did you think that, did you know there wasn't going to be any light in there? I didn't know that, but that wasn't a problem. No, it's fine. I think darkness adds to it. We've been to the inflatable Stonehenge sacrilege, um, and we've just arrived here now. Oh, it was fun, fantastic. The kids loved it. Hi, my name's Hannah. I'm from Bristol in the UK, and I'm over for the Sydney Festival. You're listening to the Guardian Sydney Festival podcast. Today I was talking to Gavin Quinn, who is the director of All That Fall, a lovely production of Samuel Beckett's first radio play that you can hear more about in the first episode of the podcast. Gavin's brought his show here from Ireland and we've been talking to him about the international festival circuit. Well, I suppose um, we've been touring shows for quite a long time now, since about um, 1995, although our first production in 1991 did go on tour to Lyon in France and um, so generally speaking mo most of our work is international touring so when we, when we start to make a show we do think about the fact that it's, it's going to go places mostly artistically that it has to be work that actually will be of interest to other audiences apart from your local audience that's the first beginning is to actually um, how do you make work of an international standard or if that's the wrong word how do you make work that actually will be, you know, in addition to people, to, to the country's own theatre. You know, obviously Germany has good theatre, Australia's got good theatre. So how do you make work that's actually going to add to what's already here um, and, and sort of uh, complement it? So that's the first thing. And then the second thing, of course, is just um, we, have, we, have, we have experience of touring, so we have very good people who work with us, like production manager we've worked with for a long time who is able to, you know, to, to tour things very easily, is able to organise that. So it's really a question of organisation and then ambition, I suppose. Ambition to make work. And do you find your work changes in different places, in different countries? It, it does. I mean, um, 
uh, we, 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 prior, I mean, for instance, we, we, we did, um, we've done a show called Oedipus Loves You quite a bit, and we, well, we did that in the Sydney Festival in 2010, and, um, you know, the, the, the audience in, um, in, in Sydney was quite raucous, you know, they really got into it, so the audiences are very different. The audiences in other places were quite quiet, it depends on their confidence and depends on, I don't know, the sort of general atmosphere. So it's always different when you tour shows. Um, people look at different things, they find uh, different meanings and uh, they connect with it in different ways, you know. So there is always that change and you're always not, there is always a different atmosphere. And sometimes it's a different, because it's because it's a different venue, but mostly it's because, you know, the makeup of the audience is quite different. And I know in Sydney there's been an interesting question uh, about clapping with your performances because all the four you're not watching performers you're listening to them and it's how you respond to that when it finishes yeah there is a kind of um it's it's it, there's a moment that's sort of unsolvable at the end of the piece which is when it finishes um the normal reaction or custom is to clap and what happens usually is that the door is opened or the curtain is drawn back so people do then get a sense of okay it's over and there's sort of a hesitancy but sometimes people sort of make a mute clap or sort of half clap or try to get a clap going and then find themselves uh, surrounded by non-clappers you know so there is a slight there is a slight awkwardness I suppose at the end but there's nothing that can be done about it really but sometimes people do clap it's a bit like when people clap when they land when the plane lands it always feels a bit funny doesn't it? you know when they do that kind of like feel a bit icky or something or, or clapping in the cinema well that's what I think is yeah. the kind of thing do you find that have you found that some international audiences have clapped more than others because Audit Fall has toured internationally hasn't it yeah, I think, I mean, we, we, we found, I mean, for instance, we, we, when we did it in New York at BAM, uh, we had two performances for, uh, for young adults, you know, so teenagers, and um, they, they weren't sure what to expect, um, but at the end of the performance, they clapped very uh, vociferously. So they really, I think it was probably the first time they'd seen something like this, so they, re they, really, they really thought it was great, actually, so that was funny. And um, as well as clapping, they had... Um, we had a Q&A afterwards to, um, to discuss it with them and uh, one of the kids, I said, what did, you really, what did you think of what did you really think of it? And she said, uh, it's really dark, man. So I thought that was good. You but should have put that on your posters. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so different audiences. Yeah, I mean, I mean in Dublin, in Dublin, in, in Dublin uh, for example, people would know Beckett's work very well, of course. And um, although this play, All That Fall, is not very well known, it's, a ra it's his first radio play. And, 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 you know, apart from uh, academics and people who are seriously interested in Beckett, very, very few people would have really read um, All That Fall. In Dublin, we found that people um, uh, did clap, but in, in, a quiet, in a quiet way, you know, just sort of, I think they've sort of connected quite profoundly with them, um, with the story, which is, you know, it's, it's such an interesting play because it's, it's actually all about... Um, you know these are these these Irish characters who are no who are longer alive anymore. You can you can hear these voices and turns of phrases that from the past. So I think that people found it quite poignant. So they didn't clap perhaps because they just sort of found it quite moving. Perhaps you know and wanted us to keep it to themselves. International festivals must mean uh, your work's different, but it also exposes you to lots of different work, I presume. Yeah, there's there, there's a really there, you, 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 exactly um, you know not 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 every time you don't get to see other work every time you tour because sometimes the schedule is so tight and it's sort of in out and you sometimes unfortunately don't actually get to see work but usually um, you're always trying to see one or two one or two events uh, and that and that doesn't that that keeps you in touch it informs you of what's going on and it adds to your sort of general knowledge I suppose and uh, seeing live performances is very important for your own development not not that you, not not that you're trying to um, uh, learn, imitate, or copy, but it's really important to see what different atmospheres people have created, and also to sit in the audience and, and feel what people 
um, are getting out of something. And if you look at how, you know, so in Sydney it's good because we have a little bit of a break before we go to Brisbane, so I should be able to see quite a few shows. And, then, and uh, there's quite a lot on at different times, so it's, you know, the six o'clock shows, half four shows, nine o'clock shows, so you can see quite a bit, so it'll be interesting to, to get that opportunity. And what are you going to see? What's on your list? Well, I'm going to see um, Tim Crouch, Malvolio, I'm Malvolio, and I'm going to see um, the Cassis show this evening. And then further on, then I'll see the Dido, obviously, look forward to that. And uh, I really want to see the, 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 the show, The Diggers. And, um, Black Diggers, with Yeah, I'd be very interested to see how that, how that works. There's, uh, it reminds me of a, of a play written by Frank McGuinness called um, Observe the Sons of Ulster Marching Towards the Somme, which was about the kind of Northern Irish soldiers who, uh, who fought for the British Army uh, in the First World War. I'd be interested in what comparisons there are in, in the story. It was a very, it's a very interesting play, that one as well. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, it's a really fascinating uh, play, I think. Um, and, and quite an important one for Sydney, I think. Absolutely, as well. yeah, yeah. No, it's definitely one people have their uh, their eye on to see just um, you know uh, how the story is told, really, and what the impact is. And the tone of it will be interesting, won't it? Yeah, it really will be interesting. And mm. um, just to remind people, Black Diggers um, is it's the story of indigenous um, servicemen at first, during the First World War who have been almost entirely forgotten um, in terms of First World War history, um, fighting for the British Empire. Um, and it's a new play, it's directed by Wesley Enoch. Gavin, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thank you, it's a pleasure. This is our final festival podcast, so I'd like to thank you for your fantastic contributions. The festival continues, even while God in Australia's podcast from it do not. So tell me, what are you looking forward to seeing? I'm very excited. I have two shows tonight, both of which I'm looking forward to. I've got the Redux Project with the guy who restages famous films with ordinary people and ordinary props. And that's at six o'clock at Carriage, five o'clock at Carriageworks. And then at 9.30, I'm seeing Bullet Catch um, with Robert Drummond, which I'm really excited about because I've interviewed him for some of our preview material and he's a really engaging and interesting person. So I'm really looking forward to that. And that is the bullet catch trick, basically. You know, a uh, gun-fired magician catches bullet in his teeth. So always potential for that to go wrong, terrifyingly. Yeah, well, the show is about the fact that it's the most lethal trick in the magician's handbook. And his show is about the fact that it's a magic trick that has killed 12 people. So it's going to be a very interesting show. He assures me in the interviews I've done with him that, you know, it's a very managed risk, but the risk is still there. So I think it could be quite confronting for audience members, but he's just such an interesting guy that I'm really looking forward to it. I've got two more shows before I fly home. I'm getting a train out to Fun Park tonight, exploring an entire part of Sydney I've never been to. And tomorrow I'm seeing Tim Crouch's I'm Alvolio, which I'm very excited for. Um, I'm looking forward to actually Occam's Razor, which opens next week and is a UK, um, well, I guess you call them circus, but they're sort of as far from kind of the roll up, roll up circus as you can get. Um, it's incredible aerial work, extremely precise very beautiful sort of aerial ballet so uh, I think they're on from the 23rd at the Seymour Centre you might want to check them out you've been listening to Guardian Australia's Sydney Festival podcast produced by Miles Martignoni thank you so much for joining us for the podcast it's been a fantastic week and we'll be doing this again in Perth see you then